0: And all of God's people said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, team. You know, my family and I have gone through a certain experience in our life, a unique experience. Now, millions of others have gone through it and are going through it, but I have a hunch, just a hunch, that most of you here in this place and many of the others of my watching have never been through it i personally think that everyone in america should experience it because it is a great experience now i'm sure some of you are asking you know what are you talking about i'm talking about the oath of citizenship the oath of citizenship the very act of standing up and saying, "I pledge allegiance to the Constitution of the United States of America," is a unique experience. I went through it alone in '84 in because I wanted every one of my family members do this when they get older, when they're adults, so they comprehend what they're doing and, and, and the awesomeness of that experience. In fact, our oldest daughter happened to be on the staff of the White House at the time, and when she became a citizen, she sworn in citizenship at the office of the United States Attorney General, John Ashcroft. And the reason I said everyone, even those who are born here, should go through the experience and through that ceremony is because I believe had they gone through that, that process— they would not take their citizenship for granted, as many do now. Uh, so that many who not only take it for granted, but value it, uh, they would deeply appreciate what it means to be a citizen of a free country. Or at least, they not, would not be dismissive of the privilege that is ours. They may not feel embarrassed about the uniqueness and the specialness of America, as some people, including government leaders, feel. Those who want America to just be another banana republic would think twice. Those who are running around trying to destroy the founding principles would be more appreciative of it. I can only speak for myself. Having experienced firsthand the horror of socialism, dictatorship, and lack of freedom, I deeply appreciate the value and the blessing of the founder's vision for America— Of course, because of this, there are some, including ministers, have accused me of blind nationalism. Others have said that I have taken my eyes off my citizenship in heaven. Go figure. Both accusations are false. The Apostle Paul was a Jew a very Jew. He's the one who coined the phrase that our citizenship is in heaven. That's where we got it from. And yet, on numerous occasions, he valued his Roman citizenship. He valued the privilege that it gave him. He valued the freedoms that it afforded him. He valued the blessings that the Roman citizenship gave him. All of this to say, of course, of course, there is a far greater privilege that all Christian believers have. All Christian believers have everywhere. They have and they enjoy. Some Christians, of course, take that privilege for granted. Some value it less than others. Others still don't even comprehend the awesomeness of that privilege they have. I'm talking, of course, about the privilege of being citizens of the kingdom of God. Citizen of the kingdom of God. Now, in Britain, for example, uh, they do not call them citizens. So when a, an immigrant come and, and, uh, and be nat- naturalized in, in Britain because it's a kingdom, not a republic, they call them, they've become British subjects. They don't say British citizens, they say British subject because they become subject to the king or the queen. Again, in a far, 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 far greater way, when a person surrenders his or her life to Christ and become born-again Christian, believers, he or she becomes subject to King Jesus. They renounce allegiance to other spiritual authorities. They, sub- they become subjects, and they subject themselves to the kingdom of God and its discipline. They uh, pledge allegiance to God and to His rules and the rules of His kingdom. They accept His legal authority over them. They willingly with all their heart, obey His Word. They surrender all of their rights to Him. Well, I'm sure some of you, and if I am presuming, forgive me, but some of you, Michael, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, I did not sign up for this. That's not what I gave my life to Christ for. I thought when I come to Christ, He's going to make me fat and happy. Listen to me, please. While it's true there are privileges, there are blessings, the, the joy and the peace and unspeakable experience of His love and His mercy and His grace are all part of the deal. But nonetheless, an undisciplined and the casualness of taking for granted His grace is a huge error in this 21st century, which is plaguing the churches in the West. And to be truthful, that is why the church in the West has lost its power, has lost its influence, has lost its impact on society. And just as those who are born in this country take their citizenship for granted, Christians have taken the privilege of being children of the living God for granted. And that is why we have become spiritually weak. We have become biblically illiterate. And we are in danger of being vomited out of Jesus' mouth, as he's told the churches in Revelation. But I want to tell you something, and you know I don't say this very often, but I hope you you take it for what it's worth. And it comes from my heart. I thank God for the uniqueness of this church. And and only you will understand this when you travel and and you hear people talk about how they were impacted by this church. This church is filled with people who love the Lord with all their hearts, people who willingly submit to His kingdom rules. For that, I praise God on a daily basis, sometimes several times a day. Well, there's a testimony time. Testimony time. Many of you will identify with this, but I know the day I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, that's the day when an internal battle in my life started. Think about it this way. I have been in control of my life, or at least I thought I did. I have been the captain of my ship. I have been the master of my domain. But then I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I had to surrender control. Later on, listen to me carefully, later on, there are times in my Christian walk when I wanted to renegotiate the deal with Jesus. (laughs) Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, In the Middle East, we negotiate and renegotiate everything, and I wanted to renegotiate that deal. There were times in my life when I wanted to renege on my commitment to Jesus. And I want to tell you, every honest believer at the sound of my voice knows what I'm talking about. But you know what? Here's the thing that actually overwhelms me with emotion. Fifty-eight years I've been walking with the Lord. And when I go through one of those times, when I want to renegotiate the deal or renege on my deal, the Lord gave me a slack. Isn't that amazing? He just cut me a little slack in those difficult times. He gave me unprecedented strength during those difficult times. God was and is gracious to me in difficult times. That's my testimony. And in His graciousness and in His infinite wisdom, He would say, okay, you want to take control of this area in your life? Go ahead. Go ahead. Just like the father in the parodical store. You want to? Okay, Go. And then I fall apart, and I'm splattered all over the floor. And God graciously picks up the pieces that I hand him over. One by one by one. All this to tell you that after 58 years, the process continues. Oh, listen, I testify to the fact that it gets better. It gets better. If you're in the middle of your, uh, your life and you're walking with Christ and you're going through a tough time, I want to tell you, and I know that a lot of people in this place will testify, it gets better. It gets better. Which brings me to the message. Today there are millions and millions and millions of people rattle the words, Your kingdom come. They rattle them through in what they call the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. And yet, <laughs> they do not have the slightest, the foggiest comprehension of what they just said. Let me stop here for a moment, as he used to say in the old days, for station identification. Okay? We began a series of messages on the disciples' prayer. It's been a while, which we, we call the Lord's Prayer. We, first of all, we saw the incredible privilege, the unspeakable privilege of being able to call the creator of the universe, our creator and maker, Father. Abba. Then we saw the fact that heaven is his headquarters, and one day is going to be our headquarters too. In the last message, we looked uh, together at the what it means to pray. Hallowed be your name. But you see, praising God in words only is cheap. Is empty. When you praise the name of God, action, deed has to follow. How you do that? After you say, Hallowed be your name, praise, honor, glory to your name, we say, Your kingdom come. What are we saying when we say, Your kingdom come? Think that with me, okay? Here's what we're saying, truly. Whether people really know it or not, this is a fact. We are saying, King Jesus rules supreme in every area of my life. King Jesus dominates every thought. King Jesus reigns over every member of my body. King Jesus exercises full authority over me. King Jesus, let your rule, your program be my preoccupation in my life. Now, beloved, you must understand. You must understand that when it comes to God, are you with me? When it comes to us, one of one person said yes. <laughs> are you with me? When it comes to God, the King and his kingdom are inseparable. Please don't miss this. Don't miss this. This is very important. A lot of people really, including preachers, don't don't even comprehend this. You cannot accept the kingdom and the king in isolation. You cannot be subject of the kingdom of God without the king being in total control of my life. So many people erroneously think that the kingdom of God is a democracy that they get to vote. I like key this one. I don't like key this one. They really think, I, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking from experience. They really think it's a, it's, it's, it's a democracy. They got to pick and choose. Listen, as much as I'm grateful, as I already told you, uh, deeply grateful... I live in a free, democratic society. As much as I'm grateful, I'm able to vote for good and godly people and not uh, the others. <laughs> that did not come out the way I intended it. <laughs> I cannot do this with my citizenship in the kingdom of God. I cannot do that. I cannot do that in my, in my walk with Jesus. But here's the most fantastic news. Listen, here's the most fantastic news. Jesus will do better for you than you do for yourself. Can I get an amen? amen. It is utter foolishness to think that we know better than God. What is good for us? And that is why Jesus... When he taught the disciples how to pray, he did not say, Pray like this, Your kingdom come. No, that would have not really gone very well. It wouldn't go very well now. But he said, When you start, says, Father in heaven. You see, please understand, please understand this. Uh, the, it, 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 everything begins. We're surrendering to a loving Father. Understand that you are not surrendering to a God who is capricious, tyrant, dictator. No! You are surrendering to the most amazing, the most loving, the most caring, the most knowledgeable, the most wise, the most understanding, and the most just God, Father. Father. There's something else that's also very, very important. You have to understand about this, this short sentence. There's three words. Three words. I just saw something the President of the United States saying, two words made in America. <laughs> but, so I'm not going to say that. These are three words, Okay. Your kingdom come. And the first and the foremost, you have to understand that in the spiritual realm, there are only two kingdoms, no third. Only two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of Jesus and there is the kingdom of Satan. No third. Listen to me. Every time you try to wiggle out of the kingdom of God... You might think that you're going into your own kingdom, but you're not. You're actually entering into Satan's domain. In reality, every time you wiggle out of, the, out of the authority of Jesus, you're ultimately getting into Satan's kingdom. And that is why the kingdom of God is not defined geographically or as a geographic location. No, 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 no. The kingdom of God, the kingdom's territory, the kingdom authority, the, the, the his domain in the, the, the minds and in the hearts and in the wills of his children. That's why nobody, 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 nobody can be neutral about Jesus. You either you bow down and you worship him, or use him as a swear word, as people do. Nobody can be neutral. I just, my wife was reading me an article just this week. That a 500 year old festival, Christmas festival, just get this Christmas festival in France, 500 year old, been going for 500 years. And this year they said you cannot mention the name Jesus. <laughs> Christmas! <laughs> it's even in the word. <laughs> Madness is dominating our world today, and it's everywhere. Everywhere. Just a, a, a wonderful Christian man, CEO of one of the biggest football clubs in Melbourne, Australia, was fired because he goes to a church that believes that marriage is only between a man and a woman. And they told him, you either be the chairman of your church committee or you'll be the CEO of this famous club. He said, hands down, I'm going to stay with Christ. That is why that said you can't be neutral about Jesus, and it's going to get that way even more in the years to come. You know, it was funny because I said that 20 years ago and people didn't believe me, but it's going to get worse. I hate, I hate to be a, good pro- a, a true prophet. I, in, in, in that one, I would rather be a false prophet, and that did not happen, but it will. Either you are under the rule of His kingdom, or you are defecting to the enemies. There's no third place. You cannot be a double agent. If you try, let me testify to you, for 18 months I tried to be a double agent. Back yonder is the most miserable experience of my life. So I'm telling you firsthand, you can't be double agent. And that is why today, in this stage in my life, the moment I wander off into Satan's territory, literally, immediately, I repent, and I head back to Jesus' kingdom and cover, come under His covering umbrella. But thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. The day is coming. Say it with me. The day is coming. Say it with me. And it cannot come soon enough for me when God will overthrow the kingdom of Satan, cast him in the lake of fire, and we will be totally set free, totally set free from sin and temptation. The day is coming and cannot be, it can't come soon enough for me when the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the authority of God will rule supreme over those who love Him. But for now, for now, the world remains under the enemy's occupation. But we have work to do. We have work to do. Those who said, you know, all because prophesied, and therefore we just uh, sit back and don't... No, 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 listen to me. We have work to do. Say that with me. We have work to do. We have territories to capture. We have souls to save. We have areas in our own lives to bring under His control, and that is why we pray. What, Your? We pray what? I personally think that if we have the privilege of getting into, like John the Revelator, uh, being able to get into God's war strategy room, I think we're going to find maps and has lines. Oh, but they are not. They're not lines of continents and countries and boundaries and roads and rivers and oceans. No, 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 no. Because in the spiritual war between those two kingdoms, uh, they are not fought on land, sea, or air. But where? They are fought in our hearts in our minds, and in our wills. Beloved, please listen to me. There is only one line between the forces of the two kingdoms, and that line goes directly in the middle of every heart on the planet. And that is why we cry daily. Let your kingdom come. Let your authority come. Let your sovereign rule come into my life and in every area of my life. You know, no illustration is perfect, but every now and again, and I'm so thankful for young people as young as 10, 11, sometimes they show me their notes. You take notes as I'm preaching. I try to kind of, as, as somebody was introducing me several years ago in Pittsburgh, and he said, Michael, you know, he, he takes it. Uh, that plate of cookies, and put it all the way on the lower shelf so everybody can reach it. Well, that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm just illustrating so you understand what I've been trying to say. From time to time, we would have an overseas guest at our house. And so when they arrive, I would say, uh, I want you to know (laughs) I'm glad you're here. I want you to feel at home. Um, I want you to have the run of the house. Help yourself to whatever you want. This is how we sing sometimes, right? Take everything, give you everything, and I sometimes keep my mouth shut. I said, "Am I really gonna?" Until I made my peace with that, I can't sing. Be careful what you say. Well, but before I leave the house in the morning and go to work, I lock up the refrigerator. (laughs) Then I lock up the pantry. Then I lock up the bathroom. Yeah, I know. Don't use your imagination here. I lock up the living room. And so my guest gets up in the morning. He tries to go to the bathroom. It's locked. He wants to get some breakfast. The fridge is locked. The, the, the pantry is locked. The, 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 they can't get food. Everywhere he goes is locked except the guest room. I know some of my friends, I know who they are, probably is thinking, Well, Micah, we know you're cheap. <laughs> I'm not, but that's okay. (laughs) But before you condemn me, this is how, listen to me carefully, this is how so many Christians, when they invite Jesus into their life, they do with their life. They come to Christ and they bought an insurance policy for not to go to hell, and that's it and they sail through Christian life. They lock everything to Jesus. They confine Him to Sunday morning worship. Beloved, listen to me. I know of what I'm talking about. So what do they do? Um, When it comes to their business... They say, oh, we experienced. I got an MBA. I know how to handle this. I, I, I'm taking charge of that. And so you lock him out of your decision-making process in your business. Oh, when it comes to relationships, especially ungodly relationships that you know does not belong in your life. Oh, God, you know this person really makes me happy. I can't break up with that person. I can't, break, I can't break up with that, that ungodly friendship, relationship. So you lock Jesus out of your relationships. When it comes to finances, you say, well, I have everything budgeted. I got everything counted for. I have nothing to give to God. So you lock him out of your finances and you're giving. Oh, but then you go to Church. And you pray, Your kingdom come! What? Where? But also, when we pray and say, Your kingdom come, we're also praying that His rule be advanced everywhere, everywhere. That His rule not only come completely over me, but over my wife, over my children, over, my, over, over their spouses, over my grandchildren, over my teammates at both the church and leading the way, and, 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 and my ministry partners and the church leadership, and on and on and on and on. But then I specifically pray, your kingdom come to certain people people for whom I've been praying, that they would come to Jesus and they would believe in Him and they surrender to Him. People that I'm, who are unsaved, friends and neighbors that I've been praying for, that they would come to Him personally and experience His rule over their lives. I pray for those who are members of the kingdom of Satan that they would cross over to the kingdom of God. But not only that. When I pray... Your kingdom come, I'm praying, that I'm preparing, that I'm prepared for the kingdom of heaven. That I am thinking and preparing for the kingdom of heaven. A lot of people used to accuse Christians and say, He is so heavenly minded that He is of no earthly good. That was a statement always made. C.S. Lewis heard that once, and he wrote in one of his books he said, in fact, only those who are heavenly minded were of any earthly good. Lord Shafton, he probably con- reformed society in England more than anybody else. He said, there's not a waking hour, conscious hour, without thinking of heaven. I'm preparing for heaven. Everything in my life, I'm preparing for heaven. Many of you heard me say that many times. I live for that audience of one. Where the rule of God is supreme. Where the authority of God is supreme. I'm preparing myself for heaven. My eternal home. Where the kingdom of God rules supreme. Even young people... When they're going through tough times or going to face an exam they haven't prepared for, they think of the second coming. I've experienced it with some of mine. And I was thinking about this this week, I was on Newsmax with Chris Salcedo, and he wanted to talk live on television about the end times. And he said, you know, when I was 12 years old, I used to be terrified of the end times. I don't now. And, you know, I was thinking about this and what Chris said to me, and and I thought of the country preacher in a small church where... He was preaching his heart out about heaven, and then he looked at his small congregation and he said, how many of you are ready for heaven? I want to go to heaven. You will go to heaven. Stand up. So they all stood up, except for his son, who was sitting in the front pew. So he looked at his son. He said, son, don't you want to go to heaven? He said, of course I do. He said, why didn't you stand up? <laughs> the young man said, he said, I thought you are taking a busload now. Psalm 84.10 says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that we, this body, this tent is the temple of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit dwells. I heard some pagan people talk about, it and say, the Bible said, "Now I'm the temple." So they end up worshiping the temple, not who dwells in the temple. If the body is the temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells, listen to me very carefully, please, because I'm getting close to the end. Therefore, it means that each one of us, each one of us, and those who are watching around the world, each one of us, are gatekeepers at the door of the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? As doorkeepers of our souls, we must ensure that these doors are closed to everything that is dangerous and harmful for the temple. Uh, As doorkeepers, uh, we need to be on guard to keep the doors and the gates to our minds and the thoughts in our minds. As gatekeepers of the doors of the temple, we guard our ears and we guard our eyes so nothing comes in that is going to harm the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when we pray, Your kingdom come, we are saying, Lord, help me ensure that nothing would come through these doors that shouldn't come through. And when they do, help me to immediately throw them out and shut the door. When you pray, your kingdom come. You're intention- intentionally refusing to have foot, one foot in the world and one foot with God. And don't ever forget, don't ever forget, don't ever forget, one day soon the battle will be over will be over. One day soon, the bus to heaven is going to leave. And there we'll be free in the kingdom of heaven from all sin and temptation. Let me conclude as I have been doing throughout the series of messages on the disciples prayer. I've been opening my heart to you and I share with you how I pray. And when I come to this sentence, your kingdom come. I'm crying to God, Father, first and foremost, I seek your kingdom to come in every, every, can you say every? Every Every area of my life. May there be no facet in my life where your rule is not supreme. May there be no rival to you There may be no other thought that dominates that is not of you. May every word, thought, action be inspired by your Holy Spirit. Let your kingdom come not only over me, over my wife, over my children, the spouses and grandchildren, and on and on and on and on. The list is long. Let your kingdom rule supreme in every aspect of my ministry so that your perfect will and not mine. Your perfect will and not mine. Your perfect will and not mine be done. I'm going to say more about this in the next message. Finally, Lord, I long, I long for you and your supreme rule in heaven May I long for your return, Lord Jesus? Come, Lord Jesus. Say it with me. Come, Lord Jesus. Say it again. Stand to your feet, please. Father, as we look around and see things are falling apart, we are so thankful that they're not falling apart as far as you're concerned. The world is falling apart, but you're not. We thank you that your rule, your gracious authority over your children is always willing and able to work in us when we ask you to, when we invite you to. May everyone at the sound of my voice, whenever they pray those words, your kingdom come. Lord, they invite you to take over, that you'll be the Lord of all. And all of God's people said, Amen. amen. Thank you, team.